So it's like when we cultivate our kids' hearts by holding up God's standard before them, they end up realizing they can't keep it, and then comes in the grace of God in the cross. It's awesome, man. Amen. Yeah. Let me follow so, that. So it's been it's been a blessing to to be able to do that in our home. And uh, Mark, what are some of the things that you guys have done in raising your kids up in the ways of the Lord? Family devos are big, and I said amen quickly when Ray said something to the effect of. Family devos are not just about getting in the word, but it's getting inside our kids' lives where we can talk about their life, their day, what are they doing. So when I say, what comes to mind immediately, Mark? Lebanese, Mark Jetsons? Jetsons? The okay. Lebanese version of, of Jaws? The Jets. We're going to talk about not being able to sing or something? Married with children. Come on, you guys knew that. <laughs> yeah. You don't remember that? Yeah. I, I, never, I don't think I, I've ever seen one of those episodes. Oh, well, it's a good thing you didn't. Yeah, Married with Children. How did we get from uh, Leave It to Beaver to Married with Children, right? That happened in our culture. Oh, and then the Osbournes. Oscar, are you old enough to remember the Osbournes? Was that like was Sharon Osbourne? Ozzy Osbourne's Osborne. family? Yeah, yeah, old enough. That was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Am I 12? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> but the Osbournes, yeah. Remember, they, they, they went into their family. It was like a reality show. And, uh, and it was like, I mean, I never really watched one, but when you come across it, all it would be was a bleep, 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 bleep. And this was supposed to be the... The reflection of the modern family, guys. Time has changed. It probably is. You know, often I I talk to our kids and your kids. I think and my grandchildren how that they don't realize how blessed they are to be in a Christian family because they don't Mm. snap at each other and swear at each other and talk back to their parents and there's anger and hatred within a family unit. It's foreign to a Christian Mm -hmm. family, Mm. but it's uh, it's the way the world is. Yeah. So we want to talk about that today on the podcast, guys. The next generation, because. Ideas have consequences, right? Ideas impact our conduct, and then that has ripple effects that, that are huge. I sat back and I, I look at my kids. Now I'm a grandpa, as you guys know. Grandpa? Yeah. And you look at I haven't attained... <laughs> ooh. Zwine. I haven't attained to raise level of great-grandfatherhood. I don't like that great... This like puffs up. It's Pride. Uh, you didn't even like grandfather. In fact, no, you, you came up with the term forefather. And super dad. <laughs> super dad. But none of them kind of clicked. None of them held us stuck with grandpa. And it's because of what Rachel did. The first time she brought Julia home as a newborn, she pointed the baby at me and said, there's gramps. And then I thought, what? I just got here. I'm getting ready to leave. What's going on? Stop pushing me where I don't want to go. So uh, now it's great. Grandpa. Wow. We can Enjoy. call you not so great grandpa. That'd that be good. That's all. I'm going to say Nazi grandpa. Not so, not so. <laughs> just humble pa will do. Yeah. Humble pa. Yeah. Isn't that crazy to think now Julia's 24? Yeah. 24. So, yeah, so guys, we. we and got, hang on. She's not married and she's gorgeous. Oh, she's beautiful. Oh, got a little advertisement there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Submit your application. Please call. To... <laughs> so, for, for the benefit of our audience, let, let's go around and, and, and give our, uh, our kids' numbers, right? You have. I thought you meant phone numbers? Yeah, nine, The ones four, that aren't nine, married? Right, so the number yeah. of children we have. Julia's not married and her number is. <laughs> <laughs> Julia's going to love this podcast. Okay, numbers. Way. i got three kids, one of each. What, what, what do you want me to say? Yeah, that's all. Okay. Thank you. Have a nice day. Mark? Uh, five kids. I have three boys, two girls, three thorns, two rose petals in that order. Mm. Boy, boy, boy. Girl, girl. 
Mm. I have three children. Next. 12, 10, and 8. Two, <laughs> two girls. Wow. One boy right eight. in the middle. When you started, uh, Levi was... Levi's 10 now. When I started, Evangeline was one. Yeah. Oh, Isn't that crazy? crazy. Yeah, and I've got, uh, I've got five. We had uh, two girls, two boys. We had our, the force was balanced in our home. We had two girls born about a year and a half apart, then a few year gap between them, and then two boys a year and a half apart. So it was like three males, three females in the house. It was all balanced. And then um, God bless us with another one. I wanted six because I like even numbers. And Rachel only let me do one at a time contract. <laughs> one and, for one. Uh, because of the contractions. Yeah, and then she had the toughest pregnancy, delivery, recovery. Oh, really? It was really rough. But how, how was it for you? It was so difficult. In fact, we always joke is when Julia was born, uh, she was our first, and uh, that was the roughest sleep of my entire life. I was getting up in the middle of the night to help with her. And I, I, to this day, I've never had that much tiredness and exhaustion. And every time I say that, Rachel just wants to beat me over the head. Yeah, because you watched, I remember I had scrambled eggs just after our firstborn was born, and I, I handled it quite well. <laughs> but, you know, what a blessing. I mean, looking now and seeing my kids serving the Lord, loving the mm. Lord, and now having Haddon, our grandson, who's about to turn Let's just screech old. just for a minute. And I was talking to a guy the other day and um, filming interview, and I said, do you think life is a miracle? And he said, I've never really thought about that. Mm. But think, God's given us the ability to recreate after our own kind. Mm. Kids that look like us, don't tell your kids I said that easy. Make them proud. <laughs> Make them proud. <laughs> but what an absolute miracle. Let's see, we have the, the pleasure of sex, and then the fruit from that is a, a child that you've brought forth after your own kind. Yeah. What an absolute miracle. I remember I wept when our firstborn was born, mm. and I wasn't a Christian. And I didn't know who to thank. And I'm, I'm serious about that. I was just so frustrated. I was so thankful for having a child and didn't know who to thank and got up my eyes about six months later and I started thanking him. I hadn't stopped. Wow, that's, that's awesome. Cool. No, I, and I remember when, when Rachel was pregnant with Julia, I was trying to witness to our, the Jewish doctor. And I just said, don't you, when, when, I mean, you've brought so many kids into this world. Don't you see the miracle of that? Like how God created... He's like, um, he was, I think, he, I don't even know if he was a practicing Was doctor. he embarrassed? I think he just didn't want to go there yeah. and didn't appear to believe in the existence of God, actually, by the way he responded. But to me, honestly, I can't see how someone can be in a delivery room and either have a child, especially a woman, right, birthing a child, or being a father and senior child being birthed. And, and not be in awe of the reality of God's existence. I'm going to give you nine months in to awe, create an eyeball. Yeah. Nine months, along with it, create a heart and a brain. And tell you what, within 21 days, I want you to have a heart beating. 35 days, I want you to have a brain waves be able to be produced. It's absolutely ridiculous to look at the ability of the human body and say all of this happened by chance. Yeah. 21 days, there's a heart and the heart is beating. Wow. That's amazing, less than a month. Yeah. And what a lifestyle change when you become a parent. Suddenly you didn't appreciate silence, but now you do. <laughs> you didn't appreciate sleep, but now you do. You find uh, escape inside the restroom with the door shut, and then you see these little fingers coming out inside the I door. I get, get, I get love you notes. Oh, really? It made me feel bad I was taking my time in there. <laughs> like, oh, I got to go. Yeah, and it's been such a joy now, like I was saying, to see now the next generation. You know, little Haddon, he's almost five months old. And uh, I've got a song for him that I sing. Of course. Of course and you do. I, well, I started singing it for him when he was still in the womb. You know, I'd go up to Summer's stomach and sing it. And he, every time I, in fact, when he looks at me now, 
he just pa- he pauses, he just freezes, hmm. and, and he waits for the song. And, and the second said, I sing it, he smiles. Okay, let's hear. It. He's my grandson. His name is Had, and he's the first one we've ever had. And he has made our hearts very glad in the Lord. Yeah, and you sung it in the womb. Uh, not in the womb. <laughs> <laughs> the when womb. he was in the, the womb. When I was in the womb, I sang it. And he, he still- yeah, I started singing uh, to him when he w- Summer was still pregnant with him. And when he was born, uh, you know, I would, every time I see him, I sing it multiple times. And his first words were, what? <laughs> <laughs> but he, but he, he smiles. And now his, his feet start kicking. I mean, he really, really loves it. That's yeah. cool. But to me, even that, you know, the fact he, he has, like, memory connects me with it, uh, smiles over it. You just think of the miracle of, of God's handiwork in, in creation. Just we're talking about rearing kids, we're going to get there soon, but can you remember your first thoughts of life? I mean, mine didn't come for four years. I, I, my memory's back when I was in kindergarten, I had something happen, and, kid, and I remember, but you don't remember anything from that nine months through to the one, two, three, all those boring things that happened to you where you're lying in a bassinet or whatever. Yeah. You got, what's your first memory? Around four-ish, yeah. yeah. Lebanon, being in Lebanon, um, my one of my first memories was of my uncle, who I was named after, who committed suicide. Right. And I remember the commotion that was going on at the house, and the, the the screaming and the crying, and the yeah, and and just you know little memories of of Lebanon, where we lived, our house, uh, our neighbors. You know, just boy. So it's a traumatic experience that stayed in the new memory banks. Mine was that I was asked to come to the front of the photo of the class because I was the shortest, <laughs> and I had to sit with my legs folded in the front. That's my traumatic experience. Is that really one of your first memories? Yes, I think. I mean, the good news is that you've grown at least four inches. Thanks so much. I'm still asked to get to the front. Tall people back. What about your first memory? We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, a $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. I honestly have no clue. I have random memories of riding a red bike of having a sticker collection. Uh, that was last week. <laughs> that was last week, yeah. <laughs> I, interestingly similar, though, to Easy is that I had a pretty traumatic childhood and just recently realized that I have huge gaps in my childhood. So I don't remember, I don't remember second to fifth grade. Wow. I have very little memories of those years, wow. which is m- memorable years. Most people can yeah. remember those years. I, I've got very little memories of those Matt. years. Well, I, I do remember a lot growing up a lot of the different grades because I went to a different school every year. So I have some distinguishing landmarks, historical Mm. things that pop in my mind. But to your point, I remember saying my ABCs for the first time and my brother Bryce looks at me and he goes, you did it, you did it, you said it. Mm. I was 15. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember some guy with a mask grabbing me by my feet, pulling me up and slapping my rear end. <laughs> Other than that, there's nothing. You else. know how gracious though God is that we don't remember like when, when we were born, yes. the trauma of ch- being oh, birthed, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and then all of that. But 
Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing to think that God entrusts these little lives into our care and calls us to bring them up in the, in the you know, training and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, bring up your children in the training and admonition of the Lord. And, uh, and I think oftentimes we forget the seriousness of that responsibility. Because, Mark, really, we're stewards. Mm-hmm. They're not our kids. That's right. They're God's kids. Yeah, Jack Nicholas. Uh, he, he said something really great about uh, mastering a few fundamental movements. He said, the key to be a good golfer is to master a few fundamental movements. And the same is true with being a good parent, mastering a few fundamental movements. And I think the best thing we can do for our wife, our spouses, for our employer or employees is for us to go after the Lord with all we have, right? To Meditate on God's word day and night. We'll be like that tree firmly planted by the rivers of water. We'll bring forth fruit and season. Our leaf won't wither. And whatever we do will prosper. So when we hold our our kids inside of our hands loosely in one sense, saying that these are not my kids, they're your kids, Lord, whatever you want to do with them is okay with me. Um, I want to honor you with my life, with my spouse, with my kids, with everything. Uh, I think kids remember extended time with us, right? We need to plan our calendar accordingly, plan dates with our kids, not just with our spouses. I've been on many trips with my kids and they bring it to my remembrance and I can't even remember that I went inside that state with that child, but they remember everything about it. Hmm. These are very formidable years, and we need to be able to pour into them. Boy, that just, a thought that just came to mind before was be nice to kids because they'll become adults with memories. Hmm. Yeah. And you can just say to a four-year-old, hey, how you doing to me? You know, here's a piece of candy. Sometimes they'll never forget that kindness oh. that was shown to them. And, and uh, I used to run good time clubs with kids in my garage, about 60 or 40 kids packed into a garage just every Friday and just singing and Bible verses. They're adults. They're, they're people in middle age now that remember those times. Absolutely. Wow. And so uh, how much more with their own children should we be careful not to s- turn to them and say, shut up, you're an idiot, or anything like that, because yeah. they'll remember the negative as much as they do mm. the positive. It's so mm. true. I remember when I was a little boy, and I'd go to my aunt and uncle's house, and one time I was stacking blocks up, and <laughs> even then I was a perfectionist. I was like, you know, lining them up, high, high, high. I just remember my aunt looking at me and going... Emil, which is what they used to call me back then, Emil, you're so patient. And I go, huh, patient. And I remember, you know, coming to learn the meaning of that word, and that always stuck with me and it encouraged mm. me. And, mm. and I still remember that. You're so patient. It just sticks out of my head, you know? Well, I don't have any memories like that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not with patience. You know, I have one of blocks and, 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 my, and someone looking at me going, I, am, I have so little patience for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it, there's there's a, there's such a huge impact. And we have ripple effects, right? So I'm thinking about that right now, Mark, in light of what you said. And I'm thinking, we, re, we have 16 children here that are represented. And then you think about the lives their lives would touch. Yeah. Right? I, right now, Summer is married, and she impacts her husband, and then now their child. And then, Ray, you've got now, uh, how many grandkids? You've got five... Nine, nine. Nine grandkids. So then, boom, they're going to have kids. and So the ripple effects are huge. And then the people that those lives impact as well. 
So Ray, you wrote a book, How to Bring Your Children to Christ and Keep Them There. And you've been a father longer than all of us here. Give us some of your input on the keys to raising kids in a way that honors the Lord. Yeah, um, I think the most important thing to do is teach your children the fear of the Lord and to, because that's going to keep them from sin. Uh, it may not mean much to them to fear the Lord when they're four, five, six, seven, but as they hit puberty and lust begins to burst from their heart, mm. it'll be like the Apostle Paul, that commandment which I thought was ordained to life is death to me, and that'll bring them to the foot of the cross. And the way to teach them the fear of the Lord is open up the commandments. Deuteronomy 6, teach them diligently. Straight after that, it talks about teaching them the law. When you're walking with them, when you're lying down with them, when you're uh, talking with them, hang it between the fronts of their eyes. Mm. Those commandments are pivotal. You shall not steal, you shall not lie, you shall not commit adultery, etc. Especially the words of Jesus. Opening up those commandments, the Bible says of the Messiah, he shall magnify the law and make it honorable. And that's what we see on the Sermon on the Mount. He took that law and showed it to be spiritual. God requires truth in the inward parts. If you lust, you're committing adultery. If you hate, you commit murder. That law will protect them as they get older and guide them as a schoolmaster to bring them to Christ. So... We had daily devotions every day. I think we had 3,000 daily devotions. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Not in a legalistic way. If we had visitors, we wouldn't have them sometimes. Um, but we, we were disciplined to do that every night at 6 o'clock. We'd have reading time. I just called it out. Everyone would gather around God's Word and would have a Bible story, read Scripture, and then we'd act out some story, Lazarus being raised from the dead or something crazy yeah. like that, or David and Goliath. I remember the kids would get someone to be Goliath and uh, we'd throw a cushion at him or something had fell down and we'd all have a ball. But I think the key in this whole thing is to be a friend to your kids. Mm. Just when we had devotions, we used that as time to get to know our kids. Yeah. And we'd veer off the subject of the things of right. God into what did you do at school today? Who yeah, are your friends? Yeah. And we got to know our kids daily and what they're up to. And I think one of the most exciting times in my life is when we went frog hunting. I took the kids frog hunting because I wanted to be their friend. And when regularly you're hunting for frogs and you say, what was that about? Well, we'd sell the frogs. We'd take these little tadpoles that we caught and they grew up into these bouncy things that did have batteries. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd sell them at the, at the gate and people would buy two bucks a frog. And that's how we raised money to come to the States for the first time. But I remember one of those times we went to the frog pond. Uh, I'd purchased a chicken a uh, hot chicken that was cooked, and we stopped in the forest, sat down, and ate it with our hands. <laughs> no knives and forks, and it was just a fun time that the kids have remembered, I've remembered, mm. and that's what it should be like in a, in a relationship with your kids, not a, awesome. an austere principal teaching the Word of God, but a friend leading them through God's Word. Why didn't you do frog legs? I wouldn't <laughs> think of that. Frogs are such sweet little things. I, I think the plagues of Egypt would have been a a blessing for me. Yeah. These $2 They're things. They're sweet and tender. $2 things coming down from the sky and multitudes, frogs, mm. flags. Yes. No, that's so good. And, and being present, being present to, we live in a time where we can be present but not present because of, of technology. Yeah. You know, and our face is stuck in our phones or mm. on our computers or on television or whatever. And Ray, that's one of the things that's always touched me about how Rachel says, she was raised, Rachel being your daughter, of course, being my wife. And she said, you were itinerating and traveling a lot, but she said she never felt like you were gone because whenever you were home, you really made it count. That's awesome. And that, that is such a blessing. And another thing too is, you know, well, we can't talk about parenting without mentioning the greatest parenting book on the planet, which is Shepherding Child's Heart by Ted right. Tripp, uh, which is just, oh man, that, someone gave that to us when 
I was pastoring, they were new to the church. I think we had just had Julia and it revolutionized our entire perspective on parenting. And the honor that I felt when I was invited to speak at a family conference and they didn't even tell me, but I looked at the website. They said, here's the website we're promoting. And I looked and it said, keynote speakers, Emil Zwain and Ted Tripp. I'm like, what? I can't believe it. In fact, it's the only book I think I ever have asked someone to sign. I took the actual book that we were given, the original oh, one, wow. and uh, he and I had lunch together, you know, because we were speaking together and he signed it. And, but that book is so great. And he says something in there that's really powerful. He talks about what are your goals for your children? And he said, you know, some people want their kids to be successful. Some people want their kids to be well-educated. Some people want their kids to be well-behaved. Early retirement. I want to retire early. early. Retire. Get that Roth IRA going. <laughs> and then he said something interesting too. He said, some people want their kids to get saved. And then, you know, he qualifies that one because he's thinking, wait, what, right? Isn't that the goal? But he says, the problem with that being set as the main goal is you end up circumventing the process that leads them there. Oh, that's good. Because he says, you know, really what you should be teaching your kids is that they were made by God and for God, and they're, they're called to live for God's glory. Awesome. And he says, in doing that, you hold up God's standard before them, God's moral standard before them, because what ends up happening is they end up realizing they can't keep that standard. What? They end up realizing, wow, I can't live for God's glory, which then leads them to the cross. And that's one of the things Rachel said in, in light of what I'm talking about. She said what ended up leading her to the Lord was a realization that she could not love her brothers, Jacob and Daniel. Right, I can't. <laughs> we can't even love those guys. But she just said she ended up realizing, and she came up to you and Sue, and she said, I can't stop being horrible to the boys. Right. And that's what led her to Christ. So it's like when we cultivate our kids' hearts by holding up God's standard before them, they end up realizing they can't keep it, and then comes in the grace of God and the cross. It's awesome, man. Amen. Yeah. Let me follow so, that. So it's been, it's been a blessing to to be able to do that in our home. And uh, Mark, what are some of the things that you guys have done in raising your kids up in the ways of the Lord? Family devos are big. And I said amen quickly when Ray said something to the effect of, family devos are not just about getting in the word, but it's getting inside our kids' lives where we can talk about their life, their day, what are they doing? I think one of the key things um, that I like to do when we have devos is to ask the kids honest questions about how I'm doing, hmm. right? And I wrote down some questions here, some family time questions, and I send it to people all the time. Uh, what is it that I do that bothers you? And give them the, the permission to speak freely, to, to talk out what, what is it that I'm doing that, that doesn't bother you, things that you think that I'm doing right. Because you're getting their perspective, whether it's right or wrong, this is their reality. And perception is reality oftentimes to young ones. Uh, what would you like to see change in this household? Uh, what are we doing wrong? What are we doing right? What are you doing right? What do you think that you're doing wrong? What is something you're gonna remember about growing up in this family? Uh, what are you not gonna miss? What do you think you can do better once you get older? What are some positive things you can say about each family member? And then I have a whole list of questions, actually, that uh, I ask the kids at different times. I might just send it uh, to them or when I'm out on a date. You know, things that Ray has taught me ever since I started traveling with him. Where are you at in the Word? Where are you at in the Word? I don't know if you remember, Ray, you would always ask that. Mm. And I would be forced to get inside the Word. And it was a source of encouragement and exhortation and uh, one of accountability. 
Mm. Where are you at? So especially in light of texting, we can always text something. I texted something to my kids uh, just today, an article that I read from a website that I thought was really good. And my wife and one of my kids responded and that Mm. was it. And maybe they won't all respond, but I think family devos are a very important aspect where we throw up on our Apple television, the text that we're reading. We have our prayer requests. We have our praise reports continually going up on uh, the television screen. But New Morning Mercies uh, by Tripp is a very great book. There's one thing a day that he kind of goes through. Mm. And if we never get through prayer or we never get through a worship song from Shane and Shane that we put up there, that's okay. But it's the time of coming together and that could look differently for so many people. Yeah. You know, uh, I think one thing that we we should mention is that it's a, it's a temptation for any parent to get a decision from their kid at the age of four, mm. or they're gonna end up in hell, that's the thought. Right, right. And, and that's a, a really bad thing to do because I've lost count of how many parents have written and said things like, uh, I, my son made a decision at Sunday school when he was five years old and now he's a punk rocker who's into sex with his girlfriend and it's because there was no training up in the way she go. Yeah. Often it's left to Sunday school to do the whole thing. Yep. There's no family devotions and there's no fear of the Lord, no instruction, no understanding of God's law. And so it's a, it's a trap parents can easily fall into. You yeah. make a really good point. Um, and first, let me just say, one of the blessings of working here, an unexpected blessing, is that I'm the younger, uh, one of the younger dads here, but it's been a tremendous blessing to be surrounded by men uh, who I can look up to, who are a little bit ahead of us, uh, ahead of me in in fathering, and I'll say uh, two out of three of you have been just a huge help. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but you know what? You, you make a really good point, which is we do. We often think like, okay, well, once once they're four, five, or six, and and they respond to the altar call and they get baptized, like my job is mostly done, and then at that point, it's up to the Sunday school teacher to to take them on from there. I think one of the things that's important to remember is that we, uh, as, as parents who are shepherding our children, are not uh, just here to provide data or information. Because information like devotionals or what they receive in Sunday school is ultimately not what shapes their hearts. Uh, what shapes their heart is what they love. Um, and one way in which our hearts are shaped is through our habits or our daily rhythms. Um, Augustine talked quite a bit about that. James Smith talks about that in his book, We Are What We Love. And the point that I'm making here is that really think that um, for those of us who are maybe parenting children and, and we just feel like, man, they're just not walking in the ways of the Lord. Why? They go to school, they go to Sunday school every Sunday. What's going on here? I would challenge us all to look at the rhythms and habits of our homes, of our households. What song are you singing by the way you schedule your time? Mm-hmm. Is it, are you singing praises to the Lord? Or are you singing the modern day busy praises of our culture? Is your days just filled with sports activities and cell phone looking and television? Or is it filled with the type of rhythm and habits that are gonna remind your children of um, God in all of his glory and all of his goodness. And so that looks like that looks like evening devotionals, that looks like prayer, that looks like time together as a family around a table, that looks like conversations about the Lord. Um, it looks, it, honestly, they look to your life and they look at your daily habits and rhythms. Are you the kind of parent that's like 
shoving your kids into school to, to Sunday school, but then they don't really see you opening up the Word of God throughout the rest of the week. My wife sent me this incredible text message. I wasn't even thinking of it. Honestly, it's some part laziness, which is when I wake up from my morning prayers and time in the Word, I was leaving my Bible on the couch. And Kelly texted me, he's like, we, I love that the kids come down every morning and they see your Bible on a different page and it's just left out on the couch. Mm. I didn't even realize that I should be putting it away. But then I'm like, oh, well that's, they know that I'm in God's word, you know? Mm. And so I just think shaping our kids' hearts to point them to Christ. And I just wanna leave this with one more thing. And the reason why is because our hearts are really like a compass. And if they're off by just a little bit, if our children's hearts are off by just a little bit because they've uh, consumed and assumed the cultural habits around them, then they won't be pointing towards Christ. And so the best example that I give is my wife and I, as you guys know, we love to sail. And when we sail, we sail out of Marina del Rey, which is a port in Los Angeles, and we like to sail to Catalina Island. It's just 27 miles away. When we come out of the port, we set the compass to 197 degrees due north. If that compass is off by just three or four degrees, which doesn't seem like a lot in a 360 degree compass, and a matter of fact, one time it was off, I sent the autopilot on 197, and like 30 minutes to an hour into this five hour sail, I decided to check it with the true compass and it was off by three or four degrees. And you're in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, we, we are headed to Isthmus Cove on an island that's about 30 miles long. If we're off by three degrees, not only do we miss the cove, we would miss the island entirely. Mm. And that's the point is that our hearts are like this compass and our habits, our rhythms in our daily lives are what's shaping it to point to God. And if our kids are off by just a little bit because they've assumed the cultural habits of the day, then they won't be pointing them towards Christ. And so I think our responsibility, as much as it is giving them information, it's also shaping their habits yeah. for the glory of God. And something you just said reminded me of what I've done quite a lot when I've got into Christian schools or wherever, uh, church groups of young kids, I've said 20 bucks for anyone who can name all 10 of the Ten Commandments, and it's never happened. I think mm. you've been with me, Mark. They, they don't know any of them. Wow. It's just a dearth of it. So we've got a book called... Uh, Way of the Master for Kids, and it teaches who made God, answers questions like that, uh, evolution, atheism, uh, all these other things. And it also teaches kids how they can memorize the Ten Commandments within four minutes for life. Mm. And so that's another one of our books that can be helpful along with uh, how to bring your children I'm to I'm coming out with a book that teaches kids the Ten Commandments in three minutes. So oh, take a look so, at that one. <laughs> Name that tune. So Way of the Master for Kids and How to Bring Your Children to Christ and Keep Them There on the Living Waters uh, website. Yeah, and we also have a message I taught uh, called uh, Passing the Torch that's also available as well that, that touches on a lot of the things that we'll be talking about and we have talked about already. Passing the torch is a great, great it message. Really I want you to do another one, uh, torching the past. Torching the Passing the torch. I like what you said, Oscar, from the standpoint of inspiring our children toward seeking after God. You know, it, it's something that should be caught, really, where they look at our lives and, mm -hmm. and they're inspired. And Ray, you always talk about how hypocrisy is one of the biggest killers in terms of children. And I, I've seen that. I remember one time I was sharing the gospel with a young man. He worked at a coffee shop. And when, we were, when I was done talking to him, he looked at me with this pained look in his eyes. And he said, you know, I grew up all my life with my dad being a pastor. 
and never once did I hear him talk about God outside of church. And I mean, it it gets me emotional. I think about that, but that that really speaks to that that life that isn't congruent, you know, with what what you're doing in religious settings, you know, or what you proclaim. But when your kids see you loving God, when they see you sacrificing, when they see you serving them at home, how often do we ask our kids, "Hey, do you need anything? Like, what can I do for you? How can I bless you? How can I, you know?" it, It goes so far in demonstrating. Uh, a heart that's truly committed to the Lord. I think of the proverb that says, you know, what is desired in a man is kindness. Mm. For our kids to see that kindness lived out through our lives, you know, then when we give them that instruction, it's palatable, it's mm. received. It's like, no, my dad lives this. This, yeah. is, this is real to him. It's not disconnected from yeah. life. And I think too, in connection with that, Mark, you kind of touched on that a bit. Maybe, maybe you can elaborate a little bit. Um, you talked about, Asking your kids, what do I do that, 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 that you don't like or that, that may be hurtful or whatever? But how about being proactive when we know we've done something yeah. and asking yeah. our kids for forgiveness? How big no, well, listen, Todd Friel, he, he has a really great teaching. And he says, do your kids know that you are the biggest sinner in the house? Mm-hmm. And the way they know that is because you're continually asking for forgiveness. Yeah. You're yeah. continually saying, hey, I missed the mark in this. Will you please forgive me? And it's not enough, and you talk about this, it's not enough just to say, I'm sorry. But you want to elicit a response. Will you please forgive me? And then name it. Yeah, yeah. It means a lot to me if you'd forgive me for this. Mm-hmm. It is not our job to raise Christian children. It is our job to model what a Christian is for our children. Right. It would be great to raise Christian children, but ultimately salvation belongs to the Lord. He's the author and finisher of our faith. We need to be faithful and true with the word of God. If you want knowledge, go to school. If you want wisdom, get on your knees. And what we need during these lasting, trying times are men uh, in an army that live on their knees, marching forward, crying out day and night for our kids and for the future. Mm -hmm. Because without which, there is no future. Marching on our knees. I like that. Um, you know, I would, I, would, I would clarify by saying it's not just about asking for forgiveness, but it's about displaying repentance. Because there are, you could easily just continue to sin, the same sin over and over again, whether you're being disrespectful to your wife, short with your children, and uh, it's disheartening to have the kind of person in your household that is constantly asking for forgiveness from the same sin over and over and over again. And so to display repentance displays the power of God to transform you. I'm, and I'm thinking from a personal level, just a few months ago, our family was going through something very difficult. And I didn't quite realize, it took me a few days to realize that I was being short with my wife. And, um, and I realized it one night. And so I sat her down and I asked her for forgiveness. And uh, by the grace of God, she forgave me. And then she pointed out, you know, the kids have felt that tension these last couple of weeks. And when she said that, it was like, oh my goodness, you're right, they have. So that next night, um, for our family prayers, I started out, it was like, hey guys, you know, we talked about repentance, et cetera, et cetera, asking forgiveness. Um, what does repentance mean, blah, blah, blah. Dad, the other day, last night, had to repent to mom. And as I was saying, I'm getting emotional now thinking about it. I, I told them, here's what I've been doing. And I asked mom for forgiveness and she's forgiven me. Do you guys forgive me? Mm-hmm. And they were like, yes. And my youngest daughter, Evie, just leaped out of her chair and gave me this big, huge hug wow. because she felt what I was doing wrong. And I think that there was a joy in her that, that dad 
recognized it and and wanted something to change, yeah. you know? And, and so to display repentance to your children is yeah. power. You don't have to be perfect. Yeah. You just have to be a follower of Jesus. Yeah, it's huge. It, it, it tenderizes their hearts. And it also gives them an example for how they should be. Yeah. And then you're blessing the next generation, your grandkids and great, great, great grandkids, because you're modeling that if they decide to follow that example. How we should shudder if, as we think of what would have happened to us as fathers if God's grace hasn't touched, hadn't touched mm-hmm. us. If we didn't have the word to draw from, I mean, how many secular men sit around like this and talk about the things that we're talking about that's mm-hmm. foreign to them? Yeah. So we've got treasure beyond words uh, to uh, bring up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. It's Amen. just uh, so grateful to God. And I love this psalm, you know, Psalm 78. It's, uh, it's such a inspiring psalm regarding how we should be conducting ourselves with our kids. And it says, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, Mm. that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. I just love that. It's that multi-generational type of uh, element that that needs to be passed on. And it begins first with our walks with the Lord, our commitment to Him, and and our surrender, and recognizing that as we walk with God, then we live that out uh, in instruction toward our kids who have seen us living a life that's consistent with what we preach repenting when we stumble, which is consistent with what Mm -hmm, we preach, mm -hmm. and which is a byproduct of the gospel. Mm -hmm. We get saved through repentance and faith, and then we keep repenting. In Romania, one of the derogatory terms that they used to identify Christians was the the, the word repenters. Repenters. And I love that. Yeah, we should be repenters, constantly repenting and understanding that that's a glorious thing. It's it's a blessing from the Lord. And um, yeah, And, and you know, one final thing to remember as we wrap it up, uh, I think a lot of times parents get very disheartened because they, they mistakenly see Proverbs 22, 6, you know, train, train up a child in a way they should go and when they're old, they won't depart from it. They see that uh, as a promise versus a truism. Yeah, good, I'm glad. And, and that's so important because I know some of you listening right now are discouraged and you're thinking, well, what did I do wrong? My kids aren't walking with the Lord. Uh, sometimes maybe we, did, we weren't faithful in raising them up in the way we should. And if that's the case, we can make it right. We can repent and, and go back, even if they're adults and grown, and, and, and point that out. That could bring healing and reconciliation and restoration. But also recognize that maybe you did bring up your kids in the ways of the Lord. But this is a, a truism. It's typical, but it's not always, it's not a promise. So don't be disheartened and, and, and continue to try to reach out to your kids. Don't cease in praying for them. I think of the, the man that I pastored with. He and his brother, uh, they were crazy kids, drug dealers, drug addicts. Their mom and a friend every Thursday night would meet together at, at her home and pray for them. And they weren't seeing much hope in that, not many signs of change. But then one day, both of her sons got radically saved. And then they began to teach a Bible study hmm. on Thursday nights at that house. Wow! This is the Bible study that ended up becoming the church that Mark and I pastored wow. at. And now her sons have impacted the world. I mean, we're a byproduct of that church. Look what God's doing through our lives. And then both of them ha- have reached the world through missions. I mean, the church has missionaries all over the world. The church planted a church in Mexico that's now planted 
almost 40 churches. They're wow. now sending missionaries back to America to plant churches. Wow. And there are missionaries all over the world through this. Through this. Their moms, those moms praying faithfully every Thursday night that started that Bible study on Thursday nights and now has reached the world. The tree. Yeah, so don't lose hope. Keep <clears throat> praying, trusting the Lord, and uh, entrusting your kids into his care. Amen. Thanks for listening, friends. Livingwaters.com. Ray mentioned a bunch of resources earlier. Make sure to get a hold of those, especially how to bring your children to Christ and keep them there. And uh, check out Passing the Torch as well, uh, Way of the Master for Kids. And may God impact the next generation through you for his glory. Winners, winners, winners. That's you, friends. Those of you who I'm about to announce are the winners of this week's podcast giveaway on the Living Waters podcast. We've got Carlos from Lamont, California, Daniel from Jamestown, North Carolina, Ed Washburn from Tennessee, David Norwood from North Carolina, Doug Campobello from South Carolina, Ali from Falls Church, Virginia, Adrian from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Joshua from Excelsior Springs, Missouri, Eva from Bow Island, Canada, and Penelope from Bardwell Park, Australia. Shout out to the Aussies and the Canadians out there. Friends, you can get this too. Those of you who are listening, just share the word and sign up for the Living Waters Podcast.